Pulp Fiction, Mr. Holland's Opus, Titanic, The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas, Jaws, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, The Movies, wow. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Smoking! Look out, Captain Marvel! Here comes Thanos! You know nothing of what for my David! Leave it a gun and take it a cannoli, mamma mia! I've always relied on the kindness of strangers. Hey, Bonnie, it's me, Fred! Hey, uh, do you remember the Titans? Carpe Diem says the day, boys. Ooh. You're so smart, Goodwill Hunting! You're so smart! Let my people go! Hooah! I can't see! Welcome, folks, once again, one and all, to the Movies Wow with Mikey Krennic, the movie podcast that is seconds away from becoming one of the most diverse and inclusive movie podcasts being produced currently in the world. My guest tonight is an incredibly talented individual, uh, but I knew him when he was my co-host on Just a Bit Outside, and of course, that's when he was the host of the mega-hit WOBM-FM show, The Weekend Sports Guide. But you probably know him better from 97.5, The Fanatic, Sixers, Outsiders, and the tweets you see people getting all mad about. I'm talking, of course, about my friend, Tyrone Johnson. Tyrone, how are you? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, I'm excited to have you. I mean, listen, we everybody loves when I have when I have Bill on, but you're you know you're a media professional. That's what people are. People are here to hear that two media professionals talk about. I guess a professional movie. I mean, it was professionally made, at least. It, it's a movie that was professionally made and Academy Award winning. That's true. That is a hundred percent true. It's an Academy Award winning film. Talking, of course, about Purple Rain. But before we get to that, everybody always thinks of you as a sports guy, you know, because you did. And I think that's a hundred percent from the weekend sports guide. Yes, for sure. All those Lakewood Blue Claw previews you did. I'm very proud of those. It sticks with people. You know what I mean? That's that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. But I, um, uh, people know you as a sports guy, but I, uh, when we did our show together, it wasn't a sports show. You are a, you are a renaissance man in terms of the things that, that you are interested in. Am I, am I correct in that? You are correct in that. I like to be interested in a lot of things. I think I'm capable of being, doing more than the one things, walk and chew gum at the same time. I'm into many, many things. Sports just happens to pay the bills and it's nice to be able to pay bills. Yes, it certainly. Yes, trust me. As a man who hosts a program called Mikey Krennic is unemployed, I can tell you that it's nice when you can pay bills. Uh, but when you can't, what you do is you just keep making podcasts and pretending that that's a job. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. As a movie man, if you had to pick a movie that you love, that you think it doesn't have to be your favorite because people get all weird about having a favorite movie. They, oh, how could I possibly pick? Easily just pick one, but fine. Right off the top of my head, the movie that I gravitate to if I was talking about my favorite movie, my favorite movie is Casino as far as oh, just the movie that I enjoy the most. I don't think it's necessarily the best movie ever made, but I love every single thing about that movie. It, it's my favorite movie with a bullet. Oh, I, I mean, I don't think, I think it's impossible to... To argue with Casino's quality, I mean it's a it's the forgotten uh, gangster movie of like the the you know from Godfather really to Casino. That's kind of the the mafia movie era. I know that we've since gotten the horrifically boring Irishman and uh, of course John Travolta's uh, Gotti, but those were really the mainline mafia movies. And people yes. don't remember Casino well enough. No, they remember Goodfellas, and yes. I love I love all of those movies. But for me, 
just for the Pesci's role. Sharon Stone is incredible. Um, There's literal domestic violence in the movie, which is horrible. And not a single human being feels bad for Sharon Stone in that movie. That's how well she played that character. The movie's just, it's it's fantastic. I, I love that movie so much. That's my favorite movie. I feel great about it. But I do know it's not the greatest movie. But... You, a movie doesn't have to be great or perfect no. to be enjoyable. That's what I like about movies. Exactly. The, the idea that we have to, you know, like sports, to go back to it, because at the end of the day, that is what we both are primarily. We started in sports. But to go back to it, you can't watch, like, there's no fun in watching a not well-executed game of football. It's it's not, it's just bad it's bad if you try to go to like a high school football game i understand that a lot of people think their high school team's good but they're not it's they're high schoolers watching inept football is bad watching inept inept movie making can be entertaining so when you got something like casino that all right it's not the best movie ever made whatever everybody's bringing the heat you're gonna get you're gonna get five stars from me at least yes five stars all the way so that one Always jumps out to me. I think more people, if you have not seen it, I think you should take the time to watch it. I do not think you will regret it. Got to, I mean, listen to the guy. He knows what he's talking about. But the more important question, I think, the more telling question, the question that can kind of illustrate, I think, exactly who a person is, is simple. You ask them, what movie do they hate? Ooh. You know, I, I try to take some time thinking about the movies that I hate. There's a few movies that I hate. One movie being that we were just talking about sports. I hate Draft Day as a movie. Oh, I think it's terrible. Uh, Costner, I think, is terrible. The fact that in the movie, I'm to believe that NFL GMs don't know who the second pick in the draft would be. Who's that guy? <laughs> like, are you? that really happens in that movie. Like, NFL GMs that spend months and months and months and year-round rolling over tape and all these analytics guys, they have whole analytics departments looking at the guy of the size of a guy's hands from the thumb to the pinky. They're trying to find out the guy's calf size and all this stuff, the length of their thighs. They do a lot of things that are kind of archaic, yeah. but they do it. But they don't know who the second pick in the draft would be. Are you it's a kidding surprise. me? The guy's never been heard of before. They found him. It's like Major League. They found him at the California Penal League. It's ridiculous. That's also the movie where a guy's draft stock falls because nobody attends his birthday party, right? The court. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, he doesn't have friends. Yeah, Aaron Hernandez got drafted in the first round. <laughs> Not a leader. And he probably had murdered someone already. And NFL, like Urban Meyer, yes. kind of probably was like, you might want to watch out for him, you know, in terms of the murdering. And a team still took him. So, like, a birthday party not having anyone there. I don't think that's really going to tank anyone's dread. The movie is the stupidest. I agree with you 100%. Because, listen, you don't have to do much in a sports movie. But you just have to be somewhat Uh, believable. Right. There's another movie that I hate after the fact that I didn't hate at the time, but I hate it now. And that's Rocky. Really? Because Rocky lost. and uh, Yes, and and it's because Rocky lost. And too often... People have uh, uh, some people of Italian descent, many people from the city of Philadelphia, uh, different people latch on to the underdog thing. And they forget that in Rocky one, because, again, when you're watching Rocky, you can't assume that there's going to be a two, three, four, five, et cetera. You don't know it's a franchise when you watch Rocky one. Yeah. He lost the fight at the end. And yet people treat it. Like he won the fight. So that really isn't Rocky, the movie's fault. It's the people's fault after Rocky. When you, like you said, when you take it back to 1978, I think Rocky came out, 
So nobody knows it's a franchise. Everybody watches that movie. The Italian population of Philadelphia was probably not saying Rocky is an inspiration after watching Rocky 1. They were more likely saying racist things about Apollo Creed. Like, And I think that that's... We, we need to not move allow them to move past that and pretend like they've always just been these like scrappy Italian underdogs. I know what they said after Apollo beat him in the first one. We we all know what they were saying. Uh, not everything was nice. <laughs> um, I'm sure uh, they've moved past that. But man, also I don't respect the fact that no matter what, you always have your your heavyweight champ. You have to respect your opponent. He was in there playing dilly dally with Rocky. And what are you doing, yeah, Apollo? Wait, no. Like, what are you? You're a trained fighter. Get him out of here quick. The whole, the whole like portion of the movie after they announce that Rocky's going to be his opponent, it's like Rocky's training and training, and Apollo is just deciding what picture to use, like what cartoon of him choking a chicken should be on the the joke poster that they make. Like, I, I doubt that that's how the guy who was supposedly as good as Muhammad Ali would have prepared for a fight. In the real world, folks, Rocky's probably dead in a round. Right. And and because he came in in impeccable shape. See, that's one thing you can't forget. Now, had they had Apollo show up a little bit heavier at the weigh-in, he was in impeccable shape. That means he trained hard, yet yet he took it lightly. Why'd he train so hard then? That's a bit of a continuity error that they corrected in the terrible movie that I also watched multiple times, The Great White Hype. The Great White Hype. Now that's now we're going into the the memory banks here. That's Damon Wayans, right? Yes, and he shows up fighting against a white guy who beat him in the amateurs that didn't go on to do anything. He's heavyweight champ. He doesn't train for the fight, and then he still knocks him out. But the point was he showed up fat. If Apollo shows up fat, the movie is infinitely more believable because you say okay apollo just wasn't ready for the fight and rocky he took him too lightly instead he's chiseled yeah. out of granite and and still it's a and competitive I guess he, fight he's just he's one of those guys who just no matter what he does that's his body type like if you called carl weathers in here now he's probably well i don't know if he's still chiseled i've seen him in the star wars show but he obviously if he just took three months off from working out however long that buildup is and was able to maintain that body really the guy should he should be teaching health classes not boxing you know, protect the brain, Apollo. Yes. And and still to the, to, to this day, the most unrealistic thing ever is in Rocky 3, Rocky now outrunning Apollo Creed on the beach. All of a sudden, what the heck happened? This He's still in tremendous shape. He's helping him train for Clubber Lang, and somehow he's now slow. And Rocky's now got a boost of speed late in life. He's had multiple heavyweight fights. He's been the heavyweight champion. His trainer passed away. And now he's blessed with and super speed. And it's all speed. because Duke trained him with his shirt off for no reason. There's one cut in that training montage of a topless Duke leaning over the ropes, cheering Rocky on. And that's all you need. Because, like, I could go out and train as much as I wanted to right now. I'm not getting any faster. I'm 35 years old. This is as fast no. as I am. And it's slow. I'm not like I'm not fast. I'll never be fast. I wouldn't try to foot race like uh 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 you know David Hay. I wouldn't try to foot race. I wouldn't even try to foot race Tyson Fury. Let alone Apollo Creed. Right. Greek god that he is. Come on. You're going to beat Floyd Mayweather in a fight all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, just because what? Well, he's more defensive. You know there and there's absolutely like MMA tight t-shirt guys 
who think that they could beat Floyd Mayweather in a fight because he is defensive. Like, there's been guys that have said that at bars, maybe in, in the great city of Philadelphia. Yes, I, I believe that's happened many times. Because this fight is boring, that means you can beat him. The fact that pro fighters can't make that fight exciting probably means he knows what he's doing. He would knock you unconscious, which is, which is, and we all know, there's only one way to recover from being knocked so violently unconscious. And we're going to walk you through that when we get back because you and all of us need to purify ourselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. And we'll do that with the movie Purple Rain when we get back. And we are back on uh, the movie's Wow, Mikey Krennic, Tyrone Johnson here with me, and we're reviewing for you tonight. I guess it's a movie musical. I, I guess it's a, a a concert film at some points. It's it's softcore pornography at others. It's something the whole time. I'm talking, of course, about the the masterwork, Purple Rain, starring Prince and a bunch of guys he knows. Uh, generally, Tyrone, what was your before you rewatched it? What was your kind of general feeling on Purple Rain? Well, I, I'm one of the biggest Prince fans in the world. Uh, I, I have to say, I'm such a big Prince fan that when the Eagles made the Super Bowl and I was out in Minneapolis, I was happy to meet Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis uh, because they were in the Revolution and knew Prince. Not go. even because of the Janet Jackson hits and all the other things that, and all the multi-platinum things. It was just the fact that they had breathed the same air as that man out in Minneapolis. So a huge Prince fan. So uh, for years, I had forgotten some of the um, issues, let's say, with this movie. And just my takeaway generally was, Prince managed to pull off a masterpiece film against all odds because it was not supposed to be a hit and he made himself a movie star through just sheer will. And that was my general takeaway before rewatching the movie once again. And I'm sure in another like three months, I will convince myself once again that that's the case. But being that I just rewatched the movie, that's not my current feeling. How about you? It's hard to have that current feeling. Like it's hard to, to watch it and then be like, yeah, this is the this is the coolest motherfucker on the planet. Like, he and he is, and the reason that he is. Before we get back to the quality of the movie, is because he he everything that he does in this movie, the way he dresses, the way he moves, the way he looks, the way he speaks, everything that he does is at the baseline weird, and at the top like alien. But yet somehow he remains cool throughout an entire movie, a movie in which at one point. He tricks a, a woman into jumping into a body of water topless. And then the punchline, the response that is he drives around and just does motocross tricks on the motorcycle for like 30 seconds and then picks her back up. Like the movie is insane, barely coherent. It's all over the place. It's like a David Lynch movie that David Lynch didn't direct. So he just had an, he said an idea to Prince and then he left because it's, I have no idea what's going on half the time, but yet. Despite all of that, and despite, like you said, you know, you convince yourself of what it is, then you watch it, and then I'm, I too, in three months, will be talking about why, why was Purple Rain robbed at the Oscars? There's something entertaining about it end to end. And it, I've watched movies that are half as long, because it's long, that felt twice as long. Because there's something enjoyable, and even maybe like, 
you're worried that it's going to completely go off the rails. So you're watching it like a car wreck. It's it's one of the more entertaining bad movies that I've ever seen in my life. It, it absolutely is. It's right up there with some of the best. And the other part is I came away always watching that movie, like actively watching the movie, like, wow, this guy is a great friend. No disrespect to Morris Day and the time. No disrespect to them at all. I, I like a lot of their songs. But the fact that he makes it, this is the probably the, the most intri- interesting edit and most impressive part of the movie is for parts of it, you even can understand like, you know what? Maybe if it was Prince and the Revolution versus Morris Day and the time, maybe I wouldn't pick Prince. Even though Prince had more talent, hell, Wendy and Lisa has more talent than anybody in Morris Day and the time. The movie portrays like, you know what? You know, in the right night with enough drinks, it's cold outside. Maybe I would prefer the other band. And that to pull that off. Oh, uh, that, that's that's great work. Because the thing with, with Morris Day and the time, whatever they're called in this movie, at one point they show uh, a, like a practice session and uh, Morris Day's buddy, Jerome, who we'll talk about, is mm-hmm. playing uh, the light shade. If you if you look, they're playing the music and in time with the beat. So like he's playing it like an instrument, Jerome is just smacking the light shade as hard as he can. And it's like a cloth one. He's hitting tassels. Mm-hmm. So the music that their their songs are are bad. I don't even know what's the one, the first one Morris Day does the where the, they got like village people cops out of nowhere dancing in the balconies. Like, but Everyone in the club seems to think it's it's marvelous. Billy, the club owner, loves them. So you're watching it, and you kind of love them, too. Yeah, you, they're packing the house. And that's the thing. They, they're packing the house. And then the Jerome, um, <laughs> the Jerome Morris dynamic, oh. that will come up a little later in the movie. Because I'm pretty sure their plan was to share Apollonia, if not for Prince showing up. What, what, what is happening? How close are these guys? Are they about to share this woman? Like, what is happening right now? Is this is this what happened in the eighties in Minneapolis? You just if, if you couldn't if, once you took a woman away from a boyfriend, you guys just share her together. Very very crazy. Yeah, but I guess they're that kind of friends, and they they're very good friends. I think our uh, uh, Morris Day and Jerome, because uh, I mean, listen, the whole the whole group looks like uh, the player hate his ball sketch from the Chappelle show. If it was written and directed by Reginald Vell Johnson. I mean, there's a fair, there's a flamboyance to Morris day and his group for sure. But he and Jerome, the dynamic, those two guys have both of them are, are probably, I would say bad actors. They, they don't really yes. know what they're doing, but every scene that's just Morris day and Jerome are probably the scenes that made me like pay the most attention because there's something about the dynamic between those two guys that is it's entertaining it's it's i i'm on the record as hating who's on first by abbott and costello i won't get into it but it's i honestly think it's it's probably one of the five worst things humanity has ever done ever who's and the fact that everyone pretends it's funny yet when they do essentially just who's on first when they have that whole scene in the beginning of the movie out of nowhere where Morris Day's like, well, what we need to make a password. And then Jerome suggests the password be what? And folks, when I tell you it about five minutes of just Jerome and Morris Day going, the password is what? Yes. So the password is yes. If you want it, that's the password. What? Just the like who's on first from the planet Jupiter. 
incredibly entertaining somehow. They, they they make bad concepts good by being so bad. It's amazing. Just incredible. And again, it shows just the level of friendship. Because let's not forget, people remember Graffiti, Graffiti Bridge and, and some of the other things that, yeah. uh, that, that, that Prince did. But let's not forget that under the cherry moon, He's such good friends with him. He has a movie that's all in black and white and also terrible with just Jerome. So I don't think it was just Morris. He just was like, you know what? Me and Jerome are going to make a movie in 1986 because why not? Well, I can tell you why not, but I won't say it because, you know, I love you. But my goodness, he it was a I, I just can't help but come away with it. Like, man, this is um, this, 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 this probably shouldn't have happened. Yet I'm so glad that it oh, did. I'm so glad that it did. It's he Prince goes into the the Hall of Fame of acting. You're playing yourself and doing a bad job because I know he's the kid, but he's he's Prince. He and Michael Jordan and Space Jam are in that Hall of Fame by themselves, where they somehow don't play themselves well. They, they it's it's mind boggling, but yet even though throughout the entire movie you could argue that Prince might be like an 11 year old. The way he acts, the way he reacts to things. It's almost like watching like a, a creepier, if possible, Pee Wee Herman. Like he's a grown man, but he's acting like a little boy. Like some of, why would you bring you on the second date you have with a girl, be like, I'll bring you to my place and show them though I still live with my parents and there they are arguing. Let's watch them through the door, like an angsty SoundCloud rapper teen. Yet I love him. And I, I watch the movie and I say, That's you're doing the right thing, Prince, because he is just that cool. Yes, and and Apollonia, um, beautiful woman. So that part was 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 great. Um, it was not supposed to be her, and you can tell at times that it was not supposed to be her. Of course, it was supposed to be Vanity, but a real life falling out with her led to him having to find a new woman. And there are times where the chemistry is uh, a bit stilted. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Uh, that, that it's a bit, she's all over the place, that Apollonia, because like, there'll be one scene where it's like, she loves Prince and, and she finds Morris to be reprehensible, but then like, he'll just be like, eh, blah, 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 like do something silly. And she'll be like, oh, that Morris, I'll just get in his car. Like the, she's not really consistent. Jerome also, and also why is Jerome just in the car? And like, <laughs> no one questions, like, why are you both there? Why doesn't Jerome go home? And Morris, this is what I mean. Like they, it's kind of clear. If you, if you if you take Morris, Jerome just comes with the exactly. package, and she goes, "Well, I can be with the kid, or I can be with Morris and Jerome. I'm gonna go with uh, you know, that kooky guy, the kooky light skinned guy, and his dark skinned friend." <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely the way to go. Why not? And then when he has to, when when Morris is doing his last his last try, he's going for it. He really wants to get Apollonia once and for all. Because at the core, the movie is really kind of like a bog standard love triangle competition movie like that's really all it is and when he does his final yeah. try the big like the big sell to apollonia is i gave jerome the night off so that's he's fine he's willing he says i like you so much that i'm willing to have you solo and jerome i'll just send jerome a tape of it immediately after it's done and then the next time, you know, Jerome will be back. But this one's yeah, for us. Well, honey. yeah, we got to get Jerome in there. And then he goes in and he plays, a, he plays her a clip of Jerome crying backwards. And that's his big his big seduction move. Just like the kid playing uh, a, a girl who's, I think this is now their third date, 
playing her a recording he has of a woman crying in reverse. And it works. They have a they have the heaviest hand and finger sex scene after. But I'll tell you what, folks, I wouldn't watch this movie for love advice, I think is what we're getting at. Oh, don't go near it for love advice. And I got and, and there's, there's just so much, so many layers to this movie that that, that didn't necessarily have no. to be. Um, but they're they're all there. And we're back uh, on the movies. Wow, Mikey Krennic, Tyrone Johnson from 97.5 The Fanatic with me this week. Talking, of course, about Purple Rain, uh, that iconic uh, 80s movie that if if you haven't watched in a while, uh, don't. If you have positive memories of it, maintain them. Because, and not because the movie's bad. It's just, as you can hear, it's really difficult to kind of comprehend. But Tyrone, despite that, we both have a great affinity for Prince and a great affinity for the movie. So you picked a scene, I think, that will, at the very least, uh, express to people that you do somewhat like this movie. What scene was that? All right. It's the scene when they're at the First Avenue nightclub and Prince is on stage performing. And Apollonia's in the crowd with both Jerome to the left and Morse to the right. And he's performing. And we already know about the daughter Nikki, so it's not that particular one. He's going, uh, do he, he? He's singing, and then he goes, "Do you want him?" And he points at her directly, or do you want me? Cause I want you, and he points at her again. And then he goes, "I want you," and he points at her again. And at that moment, it seems like Apollonia has finally figured it out. But the tough part is, you're watching your girlfriend that you're supposed to love. Sit with two guys, and you could go, like, talk to her, like, before your set or after the set. But instead, you want to go to her and make her make this tough decision right there via the music. Yeah. And I just feel like it didn't have to be that way, but I absolutely love it. I do think in some ways it's a gangster move. So they're sitting there at the nightclub, and he ends up getting a big lecture after that for bringing all this stuff to work. But still, oh, yeah, do you want him? <laughs> Billy is not happy about this. <laughs> Billy's not pleased. <laughs> do you want me? Because I want you. And he's, tell me. Do you? And he's going through all of that, and they're just sitting there. Meanwhile, yeah, he's really going at But Jerome and them, and, and now this is where they should have recognized, okay. I'm not really a singer. There's nothing this guy's doing right now that I could even close to approximate. Let's shake this better man's hand and move on. But no, that's not how those guys take mm -hmm. it. And to me, that particular scene when he's performing at the nightclub has always stayed with me forever as the part where this is why I like the movie because this part kind of makes yes. sense. And, and even Billy's response, the club owner, because the club owner uh, has a problem with the dirty, sexy stuff, as we established, due to his enough problems that we'd never find anything else out about. But he says got he's problems. got enough. Come on, Morris, you know that. That's the other thing that this movie does. They love to, just in case that you were going to be like, wait a minute, I don't know. They will just say, well, you know. And you go, oh, yeah, okay, that's right. If, if Morris knows that I know, that's fine. Moving forward. Uh, but Billy basically takes Prince aside and says like, hey, man, you're really good at music. Uh, stop being so fucking weird. 
because if Prince, if you just took Prince out of the world and dropped him back in it now, even as crazy as things are uh, now in 2021, without the context of him being Prince, which I guess is just inherent to him, he just kind of woke up one day and he was his royal badness. And I would imagine it has a lot to do with purifying himself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. But he, if you just put him at a club now, the the overwhelming response would be like, I, I'm very uncomfortable to be here right now. <laughs> it really would be. And the band, is it, it sounds so good. And it's just like, well, does she like him? Does she not? And she, because she's not a good actress, doesn't even know how to respond no. <laughs> to him doing that. <laughs> like her facial expression doesn't really change. Like, how does she feel when he's singing that song? Always stuck with me though, but like Prince performance at that part, the music part is like, okay, I can see that he's just expressing him. Mean, he should just talk to her, but he's expressing himself. He's making it very clear that he wants to be with her. Let's just go from there. This can be a happy movie. And that is part of why I uh I really like the movie. I think it's and I think that you you hit on something there that really kind of underscores every great scene in this movie. Uh and that is the crowd reaction shots that you get to these performances are consistently unbelievable. Like you said, Apollonia in that one, she's making like no face whatsoever, just kind of looks confused. When Prince does Darling Nikki, and and even though it's nothing he says is like really reflects their two-day at the time relationship, she she knows inherently that it's about her and makes, she's not angry, she looks almost scared. Like he, he's gonna just right. like give up her social security number or something. I don't know what she's worried about. But the greatest crowd right. reaction shot in this whole movie is there's a moment uh, where Apo Apollonia gets her own group, the Apollonia Six. Uh, and they, I guess they're just kind of like, they're basically just strippers who don't take off all of their clothes. They sing a little song and they're at the club. Yeah, and, it, and it's three of them, but they're called Apollonia Six. But there's three of them because that's that's cute, I guess. That's what's funny. Well, yeah, they're, they're worth, I guess, double. I don't know. They never, ever explain it. They just say, the, are they counting the breasts? That must be it. I think they're counting the breasts. And I think that's that's just Jerome not understanding how to count people. He always counts by like yeah, physical they're, features. Yeah. She's got, if it was asses, he'd just be like, all right, yeah, that's, that's three. three. But I'm looking at titties. So it's six. And, and they're singing a sex shooter. Oh, yes, that is. I couldn't remember the name of the song. Sex shooter. It's a bad song. They show everyone really into it. And again, I guess this isn't... Uh, this isn't dirty enough for Billy. This is fine. This doesn't contribute to his problems. Everybody's into it. Everybody's happy. And there's one shot for like three seconds of two ladies, and they are 100% dressed for church. They have church hats on. They look very, like, proper. They're, they're enjoying the, the act. They're smiling. They look older than everyone else in the club, but for absolutely no reason, Two ladies left their Sunday service and said, well, let's stop over and hear the Apollonia Six. I hear they're debuting Sex Shooter tonight. And then they're just there politely, yay, hooray, applauding, big hats and all. And that's, at that point, you ask yourself, how could anyone not enjoy this movie? They're enjoying this, yeah, so I'm going to enjoy it too. <laughs> you are absolutely right. That part is just so... I, I don't understand it. And that's where the movie lost something because, again, Vanity was a different kind of artist, had been with Prince for much longer, and frankly had real good songs. The movie really took a hit there. It's like, you could have cut all of this out. I didn't need any of this. Also, how did she learn the song 
and the choreography and everything. Because as far as we're concerned, this all happened yeah. within like a week. Yet they all knew the song. The whole girl group knew. And the two girls are just nondescript. They're not no. even people. Like they're just they might there. be cardboard cutouts. Like, We're not 100% sure. Like who are the other girls? That's that's for that's for the prequel film. <laughs> like I, I I looked up the IMDb by the way. Do they have names? They they never say who they are. Oh my gosh. They might be just figments of our imagination. <laughs> they they like it might just be the Apollonia 6 and it's just her. We've projected <laughs> these two women. I, I try to do my research. I'm like, "Well, let's find out who these young yeah, ladies are." Disrespectful. I think there might be somebody called called Brenda, okay. I think, but I'm not sure because there's no photo and they don't say why Brenda's yeah, Brenda. Brenda might be one of the church ladies for all we know. That could be Brenda Brenda, I, and Rosetta. Rosetta, yes. I heard. I bet you they do a show called Keys to the Kingdom on Sunday before headed over to the club. The radio show better than the weekend sports got, of course. Keys to the Kingdom, a church show before they go over to the Dirty Keys Sex to Club to watch the Dirty Sex Apollonia 6. Speaking of performances and people, I have no idea how they knew everything. Uh, when we get back, I'm going to tell you my scene, uh, which is a scene that certainly features just that. A group of people who would have no way to know a song, all knowing it. That's musical magic. We'll be right back on, I almost called it just a bit outside, on the movie's wow. Oh, it's the movie's wow, Mikey Krennic, Tyrone Johnson talking Purple Rain. And the beautiful thing about this episode is I, I like to put clips in between uh, from the movie that we're, we're discussing. I, I'm just putting music down because we're talking about the movie Purple Rain. It's all from those performances. So people are enjoying high-quality music with their high-quality podcasting, which is that, – that goes a long way, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. It goes a long way. The song I was referring to in my segment was the the beautiful one. Yeah, that was my fault for blanking on the name, and that and that just was like, are you kidding me? Like this is how you're going to decide that, to be with her, and if that this doesn't work, I'm out of ideas. Yes, that's actually how I ask all of my girlfriends out. I invite them to a karaoke night, and I, with the with the man they're either currently dating or just another guy who I think would be good competition for me. I tell that guy, make sure to bring your closest friend to sit next to you and imply a thruple 30 years before anyone knew what the word thruple was. And then I just go up and I scream the beautiful ones and point at her. And it never, ever, ever has worked. I'm very, very lonely. Well, it'll, it'll work one of these days. Yeah, just as soon as I get as cool as Prince, which, I mean, we're right around the corner from. But I, I'm picking uh, for my scene. Uh, it's, it's kind of a cop-out because, of course, it's a great scene. But I'm picking the very final scene in this movie the purple rain scene because it is it's really really something it basically the, the whole movie throughout the movie prince has been this kid the kid he's been trying to have a music career but he really he only wants to play his weird music he has bandmates that want him to play their song but he's really mean about it i don't want to play a stupid song when he yells at them so there's been this whole like band drama throughout on top of like just general kind of family drama, you know, the dad beats the mom, but he also used to be a musician. There's all kinds of stuff going on. So basically, uh, Prince has a, a 
wild, frantic night because his father tries to kill himself or just tries to give himself like a mohawk because he shoots himself on the top of the head, apparently. Um, <laughs> he slipped. Yeah, he slipped. He was he was trying to multitask. He was trying to hit his wife and shoot himself at the same time. Can't do that, Mister Father. That's his name. <laughs> Come on, Father. Yeah. And what what did poor mother do to you so badly? Yeah, he ruined his career because he you know he was a musician too. Shockingly, we find that out through our old friend Billy at one point when he says, "Just like your father used to." And then we're supposed to go, "Oh, that's right. He's a musician." Uh, Prince finds during this frantic night. Songs that his dad wrote, even though his dad said, I don't have to write my songs down. I keep them in my head. It's like an insult to his son. Uh, you right. loser, you got to write them down. He finds the songs. He basically puts Purple Rain together with the, his, his bandmate songs and his father's music. And he shows up at the club the next day for the biggest performance ever. Another thing that we have found out maybe 10 minutes before. Billy, once again, just the MVP. The, well, I don't want to say MVP just yet. But the guy has been delivering all the necessary exposition. This performance is the make or break for the kid and the revolution's career. So he goes up there and he, he says, I want to sing a song the girls in the band wrote. And the girls in the band both look very confused because he didn't tell them this. Uh, and he proceeds to start Purple Rain, which, in my opinion, is the greatest song ever written. I love the song Purple Rain. I, I, could, I would listen to it a billion times in a row. But this is my favorite version of it. Because somehow, someway, every single person in that band knows the song. They know all of the beats. They know, like, even the new stuff that Prince has added. Because there's no lyrics to it before. They all play along. And the entire crowd, just every problem that, that they've had with Prince, the revolution, with his weird sex stuff, it's all washed away when they hear that song that somehow magically they all know and magically the audience all responds to positively. And it's, it's a beautiful, triumphant ending in a movie that really in no way, shape, or form deserved a beautiful, triumphant ending. But because I love it so much, I'm I'm at home standing up and clapping from my couch while he's playing Purple Rain, a song that couldn't could not exist at that moment in time. Not only that, there's another thing that I noticed while I was rewatching it: the lighting guy. Now, obviously, all clubs have their lighting guys, but the lighting person goes through the rehearsals and kind of knows. Okay, we'll keep the spotlight on the lead singer, and then we'll do something. But you probably have to tell them ahead of time kind of what to do. Yeah. So first off, when he's on stage and he says, written by Wendy and Lisa, the lights know to go to them. Yes. Somehow. They just knew. Okay, boom. There's Wendy and Lisa. And they reach up, as you said, looking confused. Then it comes back to him and he starts to sing this song that, again, no one's ever heard. His dad lyrics with Wendy and Lisa's music, no one's heard. But the lighting guy. Is right in step with it, perfect, even though he, there's no way of him knowing that it came because we know he showed up late right before the performance. Yeah, he was, they were worried he wasn't going to show up. And yet, the lighting guy, Wendy, Lisa, White Prince, his drummer who dresses like him and has hair and a mustache like him, but is a white man. It's very strange. They're all, they all know exactly beat for beat where we're going with the song. And then they show they, they have the crowd shot 
because this movie's just full of like, like I said, the David Lynchy kind of like uh, super close-ups, like the second season of the Norm Macdonald podcast, like those extreme close-ups for no reason of mm-hmm. people and things just to add weight. But they're doing this crowd shot with like close-ups of these people. And he's playing the first few notes and singing the first few lines. And listen, I've heard good music before in my life for the first time. It grabs your attention. But this is a club full of people who stop and in that moment all have a face on like they're all considering their mortality. They all want to pick up the phone and call that family member that they're estranged from because Prince sang, I never meant to cause you any sorrow. Just those words alone. And they're all like, holy shit, this guy is something, isn't he? Forget the fact that he's played like seven great songs. We didn't like those. We like this one, and we like this one so much that we're all just enraptured. Including Morris and Jerome, by the end of that performance, because he he does Purple Rain, the people go wild. They demand an encore. He comes back out, immediately starts doing sex weirdo stuff again. Like, immediately he's on his knees and, like, grinding on the guitar. Like, right back to it, which is, I actually kind of like because it's like he's being defiant he's like yeah i can do it but l- i'd rather do this his guitar shoots stuff yes. out of it <laughs> and billy is- now he's okay with it now the, you, know, you had a good song you know what i mean what could i now i'm okay with dirty sex stuff this is what your father should have been yeah. doing i told him that i told your father this is what I he should have been your father doing aside and i said to him you you're missing out on one thing father and that's an ejaculating guitar so I'm proud of you, boy. I'm proud of you, kid. How old is Billy, by oh. the way? Aren't they roughly the same yeah. age? How did Billy tell his father that Billy and Prince are like the same age? Has no other film credits either. I thought he was dynamic. He, he never, he, he has no other film credits. This is the only movie he's ever in. Billy is truly a, a mystery to all of us. And yet, in that final scene, he's on, on board. Morris is on board because... This is moments before the performance. Everybody comes in. The whole band, the time, comes into the Revolution's dressing room. I guess the news has gotten out that his dad shot himself because they all come in, make fun of the song, and they all go, how's your family? <laughs> they leave, but then we have one, like, 30-second shot of Morris looking like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I'm, I, I'm a little mm-hmm. sad. And he's, that's, that's all he needed. He's forgiven. And in my book, he was forgiven too. I felt bad. I was like, you know what? I, Bring him on stage. Let him sing with you. I completely agree. I was like, you know what? Wow, that guy's really human. And and the, the crazy part about this movie, this movie, he should have just named himself Prince, but he calls himself the mm-hmm. kid. Guess what Apollonia, her real name being Apollonia plays? She's yep. Apollonia. And Morris Day is playing Morris, and Jerome's playing Jerome. Billy, the, the actor that played Billy, name is Billy. Everyone goes by their name except for the kid. Why? And I, I have a feeling that if you if if Prince were here, he would he has he would have a reason. He wouldn't tell us it because that's I don't think he ever told anybody anything. But I'm sure there's a reason somewhere in that weird tiny little head of his that 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 he was the kid and everybody else had a name. But I gotta tell you, it didn't I didn't understand. Maybe I'm just too stupid, but I didn't understand why he didn't have a name. And usually I was able to keep up with with the rest of the imagery that was going on in this movie. That one totally escapes me. Yeah, I I don't understand that at all. That scene, though, I will say that as far as the acting goes, outside of Billy, 
who I assume was a, a trained thespian and just never got exactly. the break that he deserved. Morris Day looking sad. I actually believe that he was sad. That's the thing about Morris Day. I'm actually surprised it, that he wasn't in more things. Because he's got, you. he conveys his emotions. Yeah, that's half, that's a good chunk yeah. of acting, isn't it? There's so many actors who can't, you know what I mean? There's so many comedians who can't, there's so many, uh, uh, you know, villain actors who can't convey anything but one emotion. Morris is conveying something throughout, and it. I never quite know what it is. I don't know if he's on purpose trying to play like a guy. They all actually kind of act like little kids pretending to be adults. Because he's acting like what a nine-year-old would think a cool man would do. Where he shows up wearing a suit that looks like it's made of masking tape at the end. Like, it's... The whole thing is very odd. <laughs> to have those kind of suits and stuff. I just think that... I, it's it's just it's just incredible though the loyalty that Prince must okay. have for his friends. He made sure they were all going to come along for the ride. Yeah, like I listen. And what are they going to say? No, yeah, no, I'm, no, Prince. This this I don't like this role. I I I'm I want my own movie. And then he said, "Okay, Jerome, I'll give you your own movie. Please just play this role. I can't make Purple Rain without you making silly faces when Morris Day talks. There's no movie." Okay, well, as long as I get to be the star of my own movie, I'll do it. If I were if I were Prince, I would bring my friends, but the talented ones. Like, I'd bring, you'd be in movies. I'd bring uh, other Philadelphia uh, sports media legend Joe Giglio into movies. But I've got some talentless friends. I would not allow them to be in my movies. No, I wouldn't allow any talentless person to be around my movie. No, except, you know, unless they're no. paying for it, at which point, you know, you, know, you, gotta, you gotta get your bag, right? Well, listen, they yeah. cut the check. Listen, they cut the check. You can do what That's you want. That's a talent all of itself. But yes, that, that was a fan. That scene that you picked, pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. Cause, and then we come out and what does he perform? Uh, we are all stars after that. And and just right away, back, yeah, back at it. Which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, listen, the music in this movie, yep. all good. The music and the performances are all like on point. It is a musical at the end of the day. But everything else, whew, and I forgot to mention before we go to the break, uh, when we come back in a, in a movie here, we're full of MVPs on the roster. We're each going to pick our own MVP. But I'd like to give an honorable mention, of course, before I go, to the Prince dummy that he envisions hanging above his bed, which may well be the worst dummy ever used in a movie ever. It's a terrible dummy. It's just terrible. This is uh, the movie's well, Mike Krennic, Tyrone Johnson. I don't know why I reset it every time as if I said it last week. So no one's coming into a podcast in the middle, but I'm a radio boy at heart. I can't help it. Uh, you know, so so this movie, Purple Rain, that we're talking about today, as you've heard, we have nothing but confusion, but also love at the same time, confusing love for it. Uh, it's It's got a deep roster of incredible performances, 99.9% uh, .9 of them incredibly strange. One performance really spilling it tough to pick an mvp in this movie though tyrone who do you hand the mvp hardware to for purple rain 
Well, I thought about a, a, a few people for this, honestly. But when it comes down to it, for me, it is Jerome. Now, one of the particular things that why he's the MVP for me is I ended up pulling this move one time. There was this bar that I went to with my brother for many, many years ago where we went to see this band that where they're friends of ours and they would do a dance break in their songs. And my brother would dance and then I actually brought a mirror with me oh. to said bar and held up the mirror for my brother to dance to. Oh. I played the Jerome to his Morris. In the movie, during their performances, there are many things. You, do. you mentioned where he's just basically playing the tassels. There's another time where he's like kind of drumming, but not really. Yeah, not He also time. does a great slide and split and then back up. <laughs> but he holds the mirror for Morris, for Morris to check his hair while he's performing the bird. And I got to admit, it moved me. Oh. That guy stays right by Morris's side. He never breaks character. And even though he's not a great actor, he is one of the few guys in this movie who got to act in other movies. Yes. For me. The MVP for his consistency, for the fact that he seemed okay with taking a drunk Apollonia in an alleyway with Morris back to the house together, if not for Prince heroically saving him on his motorcycle, Jerome. The one, the only. The man who comes up with the brilliant suggestion when they're trying to think of how to get Apollonia. Let's find out where her house is. That's his contribution to Morris being like, what are we going to do? Why don't we go to her house and kidnap her? Jerome, That's we all need a friend like Jerome. And it even reminds me of the sequel in which, the unofficial sequel, which we won't obviously do today, where they go sexy on the left of you and sexy on the right of you, where they once again <laughs> plan on sharing a woman. That guy's consistency in film is unmatched. Nobody has ever played a better, like, weird toady than than the legendary Jerome Benton. In fact, uh, watching the movie, I had texted Tyrone because Tyrone and I both wrestling fans, and we won't get too in the weeds on it. But we've had discussions in the past about what if ever we were both in the business, we'd both obviously be managers. You know, not we not wrestling types, but wrestlers. Our idea for for a gimmick, uh, which is like a wrestler's character, is Tyrone to be like a kind of like a, a slick talking heel agent type. And then I'm the manager's manager. And that's basically uh, just Morris and Jerome. As, as we learned in rewatching it, our, our wrestling gimmick idea is that we would be Morris and Jerome. And I'm, I'm even more into it now. Yeah, it would definitely work. Because when they book Apollonia, because she comes out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then it's Jerome managing. Yep. They're both. He's the manager's manager. And by the way, if AEW or WWE are listening, we get over don't ever think, oh, are they gonna are they gonna break up? Nope. Nope. No. nope. We're always gonna stay consistent, just like Jerome and Morris. Exactly. And they slap five very good. When <laughs> whenever Morris and when they perform, that's another thing for people to rewatch. Whenever Morris puts that hand out, Jerome is there to slap him five and then get ready. He's always in position Absolutely. at all times throughout Listen. that whole movie. Don't ever think, oh, are they gonna are they gonna break up? Nope. Nope. No. nope. We're always gonna stay consistent, just like Jerome. And more exactly, and they slap five very good. When whenever <laughs> Morris and when they perform, that's another thing for people to rewatch. Whenever Morris puts that hand out, Jerome is there to slap him five and then get ready. He's always in position Absolutely. at all times throughout Listen, that whole movie. And and my pick for MVP, 
Now, the thing about this movie, like you said, Jerome Morris, Prince even to some degree, even though he's maybe the least charismatic of the leads, which is interesting. It's a different kind of charisma. Um, yeah, as an actor, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's his real-world uh, uh, charisma can't be ever understated. The guy owned every room he was ever in. But as an actor, not his strong suit. Um, in the middle of this absolute vanity project like Paisley Park fantasy is a man, our man, Clarence Williams, formerly Link from the Mod Squad, in Purple Rain, he's father, and the man is acting for the back row in It Does Not Matter that Prince isn't a great actor, it does not matter that all of the scenes before have been silly, and all of the scenes after will be silly. When that guy is on the screen, he is he is intense, He is it's uncomfortable to watch because it's so realistic. He plays that kind of like, that desperate anger that he feels at the world because he didn't make it. Like Clarence Williams, a revelation in this movie. And I don't think he gets the, the recognition he deserves for it. You are. I am so glad you say that. He is spectacular in this movie. He even, when he performs, like at one point he says, I would die for you. I would die for her. He's talking about even though he beats yeah. her, um, I would die for her. And and then it goes into I would die for you and, and things like that in the movie. I'm just sitting there like he performed every single line. Like you said, like he's doing mm -hmm. Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. He's not messing around. He really saves. He gives the movie some depth um, because he really shows up when Prince is at the lowest. That's when the whole incident happens. Then he starts to tear up his basement and he's losing his mind and he's tearing everything down. That's what leads to his discovery where he finds himself. But I believed yeah. that man. Like he was by far, other than my my my, my guy Billy, the best actor. Yeah, it's, in this it's film. unfair to compare people to Billy. That's why he was never allowed to do another movie. He was too good. They said, "No, no more, Billy. You'll you'll make us all look bad." But no, Clarence Williams is is really truly like that scene where they're at the piano. Uh, uh, Prince walks in and and the mom is is crying. I think somebody even comes over and's like, "I saw you inside your house. Your mom looked bad. Go check it out." And, and she's crying. She's obviously Clarence Williams. The dad is abusive. Uh, but you hear this beautiful piano music in the background. And Prince follows it down to the basement. And he's there at the piano playing. And he turns around to, like, deliver the lines of Prince. He's shaking. His eyes are bloodshot. He's got tears. His hair's just a little. Like, I was like, oh, my God. This guy is, like, he's really going for it. He And not, and not go, just going for it in a way like, oh, wow, good for you. He's going for it and landing every single time. It never feels melodramatic. It never feels over the top. Like you said, it feels real. And I think without that, without that kind of like that center rod to kind of hold it together, to give it a little weight so that those scenes do feel at least a little bit like there's stakes involved. Like, and I, I got I to gotta tip the cap to the guy. Billy keeps talking about the problems with his dad. Would it have killed them? You 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 had all those random musicians, right, dressed in different ways. Couldn't you have easily yes. put them in a 70s outfit, rearranged where they stood on stage so we weren't 100% sure it's them, right? And show a five-second flashback yeah. of father performing so we get a little bit of a feel like, wow, he used to pack the house. It's yeah, all even hypothetical. If you just go, even if you have Prince play him. Even if you do one of those things where it's for five seconds, it's, you know, you see the flashback of it's Prince, but it's the 70s. And he's singing like some, you know, 
whatever song that was popular then the disco uh, uh, type and, and they're, the house is packed and they're dancing and then Billy's talking about the father. I think that you'd understand, oh, that's the dad. But no, that, that would be a little, that's too much. We, we simply cannot waste time on important plot things. There, there's a million clown dolls to show very up close during dramatic scenes. Uh, so, so you brought up when she purifies herself uh, in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Great, um, uh, great topless yeah, scene, if, I if guess. We're if still like, like, for the, um, for like the, the sad crowd out there, because like, I have a feeling, one thing I know about if I have any kind of career, I'm always going to have sad fans. There's something about my, my, my form of entertainment that attracts sad, lonely men. So like you guys out there who are still like going into the work the next day and be like, hey, you guys ever see Titanic? You know you see Kate Winslet's tits in it. There's a good topless scene in this movie. Check it out. I mean, we're adults, so we don't really spend too much time thinking about it. But if that's your thing, go for it. Yeah, it's, I mean, listen, yeah. she was an attractive woman. And regardless of her musical career, she was an attractive woman. And you mentioned then getting on the motorcycle, he does all the tricks, and then she jumps on the motorcycle, and then they leave. Wouldn't she be freezing cold about the chest? She's going to literally catch a chest cold. Because I did you see a proper towel? Because I didn't. Towel? Absolutely not. This is Prince we're talking about. She purified herself. Uh, but it wasn't even the waters of Lake Minnetonka. The only like true joke in the movie is is when she oh. does it and she gets out and he just says that's not Lake Minnetonka and that's <laughs> he tricked her and that's that we move she gets on and she freezes to death. What I'm saying like what are, this is Minnesota and, and while it's not snowing in winter, there's a very good chance one might like yeah it could be 40 degrees. That's far too and. What else did the kid have? Because, again, this movie takes place in Minneapolis. Like, it's very – because Prince was from Minneapolis and so was Morris and Jerome in real life. Again, yep. loyal to his real friends. Did you have to necessarily only get around by motorcycle? Because it must get <laughs> awfully cold only moving by motorcycle in Minnesota in the 80s. His giant sunglasses block the wind from his face. He's got those huge – like the biggest sunglasses ever created that somehow still look cool on him. And that that's enough. And yeah, sure. The F Apollonia is going to get pneumonia. And that's the thing about, you know, three days later, she's in the hospital with intense pneumonia because it all happened so fast. Uh, that's fine because <laughs> pneumonia built up in the lungs and she immediately had to go to the emergency but no, room. But no, not, not, you know, who would have known that Morris and Jerome. One of the two of them. You had a better chance that one of them would have realized she had to go to the emergency room. But in all likelihood, they probably would have just, you know, done some more shtick and, and ignored her. That's what I think it's all about with them. I don't even know if it's sexual. I honestly think they just like hanging out and making each other laugh. Like, I mean, it, it, it definitely is sexual. But it, we can also, if you want to keep them pure, you can imagine that they're just like great truly the greatest of friends like frog and fucking toad hey hey uh hey apollonia you want to hear a funny joke jerome told me earlier well jerome tell, tell him that joke jerome's in there yeah, cooking cool. dinner and it's just like all right my ears were burning i hear you guys <laughs> there is another band in the movie that was probably also better than the time but doesn't really get any but they are rocking the crowd so they got a moment 
but you don't really learn anything about no. them. You just know that there's a third band that also gets to perform. When those two are talking, that's when the other band. Oh, so when do they perform? Whenever the other two aren't. Yes. Whenever, right, whenever Morris and the kid have to talk, we get the modern airs out of the, they just live in the basement. We bring them up and they come up and they do a couple song and dance numbers for you. And then when, as soon as the conversation ends, Billy shoes them off the stage and gets whichever band, whichever the big two, even though apparently the guy doesn't even like Prince, but he keeps booking the band, even though he thinks the music sucks and nobody likes it and nobody wants to hear it and he hates him and he hates his dumb dad. He books the guy every night. I was loyal to your father, and it screwed me over. Now I'm going to be loyal to you. It's going to screw me over again. What? But I don't. I don't learn anything. <laughs> I don't learn anything. And 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 here I am with my with my hat yeah. on. Because sometimes he's got the that Run DMC. Yeah, he's got the the yeah. Fat Boys tracksuit that he's wearing. Like he was really ahead of his time, Billy. <laughs> like, yeah, but yet he, you guys are peculiar. You guys look like you went to high school together. Yet you were working with his dad. How? I was the, old, I was the so youngest plum owner in the world. I was seven years old. I looked exactly like this. Okay. okay. I look like this. I took it over from my father. He died young, and my mother said, you got to earn yeah. your keep. You're so seven years house. old, I started running this club, and it's been packed. It's been packed, and, and you guys play here seven days a week. A band nobody likes. <laughs> Working every day. And it, it's not like they open the movie with um, – Let's go crazy, dearly beloved. Like, and that song is probably one of the like. So, if you said to someone, "Okay, listen to these three Prince songs," "Let's Go Crazy" is one of them. It's one of the most like widely applicable, just like a hit. It sounds like a radio hit. It's got a in, a weird little intro, but everything else is like fine. They play that song, and yet Billy is still like this fucking weirdo up there playing this very very radio friendly song. How dare he? <laughs> right it's exactly like right for minute one you know you're not playing people aren't listening to your type of music anymore let me get this straight let's go crazy selling it's 10 times platinum and i'm to believe that that's not what the people are listening to nowadays nobody Kid, likes it. you gotta get with the time i gotta my, my... nobody likes nobody likes your 10 time yeah. platinum song that's the best song arguably in the entire movie that we just played in the first scene get with we it, open kid. with it gosh you're, you're a loser you know that like your loser dad <laughs> because the movie was made for seven million again vanity project it made 70 oh million it's a it's a hit by yeah, every and that's measure. In, that's in nineteen eighty seven. It's a hit money. by every. Yes, it's a hit. And now I'm to believe that this guy, who's clearly a megastar, you you're not doing what's what's going with today. I've been warning you about this. Your days are numbered. Like, your days are numbered. And supposedly it's like, I've been warning it's like the you beginning about of this. his career. You got to play what yeah. Morris does. You got to play bad music. Right. And how, he lives at home. How, how old is he supposed to be? He's he definitely supposed yes, to be in his twenties, right? And he's in his twenties in real yeah, life. Yeah, Prince yeah. is at this point in real life. He's in his twenties. You're, You're done, kid. Nineteen. That's it. You're done. You're packing my club every hey, night. To, but you're done to here, kid. It's Wednesday. Like, it's Thursday, and you suck now. What happened? <laughs> you used to be so good last week. The crowds aren't moving. And you hear him at one point going, you hear that crowd out there? Morris really got him going as if Prince going first didn't play any yeah. overall to make them maybe be a little bit more res 
receptive to that more it's dangerous. not even like they have the audience is into it they don't even like tell the extras like look weirded out by this everybody's dancing like when that movie opens you're like okay so this this is going to be the story of a very popular club singer why didn't he just play a bad song instead he's playing the soundtrack to the movie nope nope we playing all the singles <laughs> Wait, on this we, at this moment He's the biggest, and we don't like to say it because he's he's black, and God forbid we. He was the biggest rock yeah, star no, in the absolutely. world at this point. Absolutely, like he's the like he, he's the biggest rock star in the world at this moment. He's better, bigger than Mercury. He's bigger than everybody at this point. I, so I guess his ego just said, "Now I'm putting yeah, it all I, good because songs." Because it is. I just looked. It's it's 1999 was 82, and that's 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 1999. Obviously, Little Red Corvette, Delirious. Like there's right. a lot of. And the, the first line on the Wikipedia is it propelled him to a place in the public psyche and began two years of his heightened fame, which is like, yeah, that's and, and he was the rock star. He was the musician, really, because Michael Jackson is a performer. Prince is a musician. You know, that's I think you could also draw that divi division line. And he was like the guy. So for him to play like, you know, a guy that nobody likes was it was a choice. It was a choice. And, and I will say, uh, uh you know, we'll get back and we'll, we'll give our final once and for all uh, review. You know, watch it or don't watch it. That's the scale we use. But uh, Prince, you know, when it comes down to it, removing the criminal stuff, just looking at them as a person, I'm going to make a bold statement here. Prince, a more interesting brain to pick apart than Michael Jackson's. I think I know what you're going to find in Michael Jackson's yes. and you're not going to like it. Prince, full of mystery. Beautiful. Truly, uh, a poet's soul. We'll be back. Folks, we're having so much fun here on the movies. Wow! But unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. Uh, much like, unfortunately, this movie, Purple Rain, does eventually come to an end. Uh, the scale that we use here on, on the movies, wow, established just two weeks ago, is watch it or don't watch it. Uh, my guest when we established it was was Billy Donilon, incredibly uh, talented. I'm looking forward to him being back. But he managed to botch the watch it or don't watch it scale. So I'm going to give it a review of watch it, Tyrone, watch it or don't watch it. Let's see if he can carry the ball over the goal line. You watch it. Watch this movie. Absolutely watch it. Yeah, there you go. That's all. And hopefully Bill is listening and he took down some notes from, from a true professional like yourself. Watch this movie. That is our review of it. Watch it. And honestly, the lasting legacy of this movie, in my opinion, should be that more people should make movies with just their friends. I, 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 we're at a point in time in history where it, it almost just doesn't matter anymore, right? What, the, the, it's all falling apart. We're at the end of the empire, folks. Empires usually take about 200 years to fall. So I'm not saying, you know, sell your house. But we're, we're, we're coming to the end of the run. So do the things you want to do. Have fun. It doesn't matter anymore. There's a million streaming sites. If you say, you know what, I want to make a movie uh, where I play a singer that is really good, but nobody likes me, uh, and I have a worst enemy who has like a, a guy who follows him around. They want to share my girlfriend, and then go ahead, make the movie. Whatever. You're not as good as Prince. It won't be as good as Purple Rain, but you'll be able to go back and watch it. 
it should inspire people. It should inspire talentless actors to believe that they should be on camera too. Because it, 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 there's something about this movie. It's the direction is weird. The script is barely the script barely exists. There's barely a story. The performances are weird and all over the place. The plot is weird and all over the place. The visuals are weird and all over the place. But it's a incredibly entertaining watch. Even if you took the music away, I, I, that's a big statement. I know. But I think if you mute the music scenes, you still have a good time watching Purple Rain. Just go out and make your fucking movie. Yeah, I completely agree with it. Now, the music, though, uh, you should absolutely watch it. But some of the music, if you're a music fan, and anybody, if you're not, you're a bit of a weirdo. But, <laughs> but, but there's a few tidbits to this. And I remember this now in hindsight. Part of the reason why, two years later, only Jerome's in that movie. The time broke up. So they, they performed those songs. And the two songs are The Bird yep. and Jungle Love. Those are the two big That's songs that they perform in the movie. Those were both top 40 hits on the sole basis of being in this movie and being attached to Prince. They were broken up by the time the movie came out. Really? They were broken up. I remember this now. I just had to double check. They were broken up by the time they were in the movie. And apparently there was some falling out with the band members. And I guess whatever it was, they, they hit by 1990 when this, the unofficial sequel comes out, Graffiti Bridge comes out, all fences are mended. But somehow Morris and Prince had a little bit of a falling out, but he stayed cool with Jerome. So he, he, he parted ways with him in that point. But the top 40 hits in this song, Let's Go Crazy, Jungle Love, Take Me With You, The Beautiful Ones, When Doves Cry, Computer Blue, Darling Nikki, the Bird, Purple Rain, I Would Die For You, and Baby, I'm a Star. All in one movie. On this movie, yeah. So you can watch it for either one, for the, the how crazy it is, or if you just like listening to music. And then, unfortunately, Apollonia's uh, Sex Shooter was not the hit that they uh, they hoped. It peaked on the regular charts, unfortunately, at number 85. Well, yeah, it was actually, though, it did make it to number three on the gospel charts. On the strength of those two church ladies going to their church, they told the congregation, congregation told another congregation, and it just, it went it went from there. Sex Shooter, still to this day, a favorite of uh, uh, revival Southern Baptists across the nation, uh, clearly. But the thing, you know, folks, you want to say, oh, West Side Story is a great movie musical. How many good songs would it have? Two, maybe one, it, it, you know? Hey, oh, oh, Hamilton, Pfft, Hamilton, they got no good songs. No, I, I don't like that show at all. There's no movie musical, Broadway musical, any musical that you can throw at me that has the heat that Tyrone just ran down. Those are all the songs in this movie. So even if you don't like the, you know, weird uh, kind of esoteric films, even if you don't like watching bad movies, if you don't get any joy from that, Put it on and, and close your eyes and just listen to the music because it is truly the best soundtrack, inarguably the best soundtrack ever. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we mentioned it won an Academy Award. It won a Brit Award, nominated for a Golden Globe. Not also at, at the Razzies, a Worst New Star, yeah. nominated was Apollonia, but she did not win. Okay, good. And Worst Original Song, it got nominated for, for Sex Shooter, but that also didn't win. But it did win a Grammy Award. It won an NAACP Award. It won a, uh, it, it won all kinds of awards because of the music. And most reviews, believe it or not, 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, I just checked, and 55 out of, uh, out of 100 on Metacritic. So even though it's a mess, 
the strength of, I guess, the force of Prince and everybody else, it's still a very watchable movie, even if you're a hater. Absolutely. That's the thing. I, I know Prince has his haters, but the fact of the matter is the guy, no matter what you want to say, you can boil him down to a Dave Chappelle impression if you so desire. Uh, people boil Rick James down to a Dave Chappelle impression, and that's for the best. Rick, not a great guy. Uh, Rick probably shouldn't be, you know, people love doing the uh, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Uh, Rick James kidnapped a lady and burned her with a crack pipe for like three days, it held her in his hotel room. So not a guy that we should really be getting the full picture on. That's fine. But to boil Prince down in such a way? Uh-uh. I, I don't go for that. You, What you need to do, if you're the person who's been walking around and your only knowledge of Prince is game blouses or all that stuff, you need to get yourself a copy of Purple Rain. I paid for this. I, I paid $3.99 to rent it on YouTube. You need to get a copy of Purple Rain, watch it, and allow yourself to be purified in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Tyrone, thank you so much uh, for taking time to join me tonight here on, on the movies. Wow, did you have a good time? Yes, I had a great time. Thanks for having me. And maybe, just maybe, I'll be back again. Oh, I can tell you right now, folks, we'll make the announcement. He'll be back again. I mean, what is Jerome without Morris? Nobody wants to hear the Jerome movie podcast. They want the talent. They want Morris, damn it. And we'll give them Morris. Tyrone, uh, uh, next time, uh, what movie are you thinking we want to do? Do you have an idea, like, in your head? Yeah, I I do. You want me to say it or just keep it in my head? You know, we'll we'll see what the audience thinks. Roadhouse. Uh, uh, Yep. Ding, 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 ding. It's, it's official, folks. You will hear it soon. Roadhouse on the movies. Wow, this was Purple Rain on the movies. Wow, Tyrone, thanks. Everybody, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, click review, like, whatever, all this stuff. I don't know what this stuff. I need to learn this stuff. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week, and I'll join you uh, with Mikey Craig, who's unemployed once again on Friday. Will you help me? No. Pardon me? No. Want to know why? Nope. Because you wouldn't pass the initiation. What initiation? Well, for starters, you have to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka.